From protester to insurrectionist? Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, hey there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, joining you live from our BNC studios here in lovely eastern Indiana, folks. The recession is right around the corner. And if you are not revamping your sales strategies, well, guess what? You're going to be in the dust because your competitors are. If you want to make sure you're not being left behind, email me, brian at Consulting.com. All right, we're going to go way back to, well, way back, I don't know if it's really way back, well, way back to the J6 protests, which when they started out, they were quite literally protests. And as the day transpired, the protests started to turn in the framing of the media, towards insurrectionists and storming the Capitol. And it was the the worst thing we've seen since 9-11. I don't know. I've seen a lot of the pictures uh, from behind the scenes and specifically one picture in mind, which is, uh, you know, one guy walking out with a lectern, big smile on his face. And you know what? I don't know. Was it really a quote-unquote insurrection? Well, how about that? We're going to go ahead and have that uh, individual on the show today. Adam Johnson is joining us. Adam, welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Adam, thanks for joining us. And I obviously tease things a little bit here. You're pretty well known in terms of at least your your picture is. And that is uh, you were there at the J6 protest and uh, you were walking out of the Capitol with the uh, the speaker's podium and you had that big smile and, and the wave to the camera. That's, I think, where a lot of people know you, but there's a lot more to you than the picture that was a snapshot from J6. So before we go ahead and put the cart before the horse here, I want you to do us a favor, introduce yourself to the Brian Nichols Show audience, and how did you end up at the Capitol building on J6? Well, hey, thanks to everyone for uh, giving me a chance to just speak and listen and maybe hear just a different side of the story. Um, My name's Adam Johnson. I'm also known as the lectern guy or podium guy. I was uh, via Getty for a little bit. Uh, there was a whole thing going on on Twitter. Hilarious. Look into it. But um, I'm a stay-at-home dad. I've got five sons. My wife's a physician. Um, went to college. It turned out to be too much to raise kids and also finish. So we took a break from that. And uh, just been doing that for a while. Uh, started up a carpentry business, You know, built furniture for people. I, I do that for a hobby now. And um, just not not actually too much. I do jujitsu. I'm kind of you know just a normal, regular guy. I decided to show up to a protest, my first protest, um, in January 6th. So talk to us about that protest, right? Because I think there, there's kind of two different schools of thought here. One is the the J6 protest slash insurrection. That was, you know, a stain on our democracy. Whereas then the other side, there's, you know, this was just a protest where some stuff happened. And it wasn't necessarily, you know, a, a storming of the Capitol, more so a let in of the Capitol and a lot of confusion that followed thereafter. So there's a lot of, you know, whether it's misconceptions or, I don't know, misinformation, if you want to use that word lightly, about what actually happened there on J6. So do us a favor, just kind of articulate in your personal experience, what was that day like from your lens? Well, from my lens, um, it's I showed up to a protest. I showed up to a Trump rally first and foremost, and we were there to listen, you know, kind of to Trump's last hurrah. We had some questions about what happened during the election. We had some definite concerns about some of the powers and some of the abuses of power that happened during COVID. And we also had questions about the people that were coming back in charge, you know, call them the deep state, call them the uniparty that we knew that were going to propagate war. So we 
we look at that and we say we need to show them protest because we're finally getting to a place in our country where maybe the average citizen that is middle of the road libertarian is finally being addressed and finally being acknowledged. So we show up to the protest. Um, I listen to Trump's rally speech and, you know, I hear Giuliani and everyone else talking. And at the end of it, he says, we're going to march down to the Capitol and we're going to let our voices be heard. We're going to be marching peacefully and we're going to protest. So I decided that's where the protest is going. I will walk with the crowd down to the Capitol. So we took a nice leisurely walk down to the Capitol. And by the time we got there, it was already, I mean, I used the word under siege because there were people that were, you know, fighting with cops and cops were fighting with people. But the majority of what of where that was going on was outside. There was a group of people that were I, I, antagonizing on both sides. Mm -hmm. There was a point, I think I saw a video, um, I think it was two weeks ago, where a uh, flashbang was accidentally fired by a uh, cop into the crowd. And he didn't know how to use his... <laughs> His weapon, apparently. And uh, I was actually there when the flashbang went off. And it was, we were tear gassed, we were maced, and most of us were just saying the things that we were there to protest. A very peaceful, civilly organized, we are here to say we don't like what's happening. This is not right. At some point, um, whether the cops started pushing or the people started pushing, I couldn't tell you. I was about 20 yards back watching the whole thing unfold. When that very small group of people that decided to turn things violent, turn things violent, I left that group because that's not what a protest is. And that's not what the majority of people were doing there that day. That is not what we were there to do. It's not what they were there to support or say. So there was a handful of us that walked away from that, kind of let that work out on its own. And we just were kind of walking around. And then about 10 minutes later, we recognized that people are just walking through open doors. The doors have been opened. We don't know how they're open, but they're opened. And people started filtering inside. And the people that were inside were a completely different temperament than people who were outside, right? Everyone inside was completely peaceful. They weren't breaking things. They weren't burning things to the ground. You know, they were chanting, you know, USA and stop to steal all these things. But that is a protest. That is what a protest consists of. And it was a completely different temperament. And I guess what I'm con what confuses me about everything is the way they treated the people who were inside protesting peacefully compared to the way that maybe the people that were protesting during the Kavanaugh trials were treated mm. with fines and slaps on the wrist. And then we saw, I mean, how many capitals now have been, you know, quote unquote, stormed and how many insurrections have we seen in the past couple of weeks? We have uh, Florida, my, my state, Florida, the capital was just stormed by a bunch of people. I'm interested to see how DeSantis handles that. And we, we see this happen over and over again on the other side of the party, but it's capital D different if, you know, you're on the right side of the party. And it's definitely a two-tier justice system. We, we've seen people go to prison. I went to prison for a nonviolent misdemeanor, and it's trespassing for 75 days. They sent me to a federal prison. I've been on um, probation for almost two and a half years now where I can't leave the middle district of Florida unless I get permission to travel. I was fined over $5,000 for walking around. Didn't destroy anything. The, um, the whole lectern thing, I didn't leave with it. There were narratives running for... For God, they're still running now. People still think I left the building with a piece of furniture. The furniture was sitting in the wide open underneath the staircase. I moved it 20 yards for a photo, gave a short speech, and left it in the middle of the room. And what's crazy is 
when the government called my attorneys two days later, they were asking where the lectern was. Does he still have it? But they had just rolled it out for Nancy Pelosi to give a speech <laughs> that day. So whether it's just complete, just they're not communicating with each other or ignorance or they're just trying to get me to, you know, entrap me in something else, couldn't tell you. But the amount of people that propagated that story saying, you know, this man's a thief, this man stole it. They did everything they could to ruin our lives. And while there are retractions now, two years later, they say carry and not stole. There are millions upon millions of people who believe a story that they put out there that is not true. And they had to have known by Friday it was untrue. Once they see it, they can't unsee it. And that's the Mm -hmm. entire point of trying to promote whether it's false narratives, misinformation, at behest of, in this case, the corporate media is the one of the main purveyors of this false narrative. And you mentioned something earlier there in, when you were going through what you experienced that really just, I think it hits home to a lot of folks, was, was this, you know, ignorance or was this actual malevolent intent, you know, intention to go after individuals like you, Adam? And I think after, especially the past three years where we've all lived through this COVID insanity, a lot of the, I guess, the, the lipstick on the pig of, well, maybe it's just, you know, it's good intention people who just, they, they're doing the wrong thing unintentionally while trying to do a good outcome. I don't think that's the case in a lot of these situations. As, as a matter of fact, I think to the opposite, people in positions of government, whether it's Andrew Cuomo in New York State, knowingly putting COVID patients into nursing homes with the highest risk individuals, despite having Trump sending up that uh, big cruise ship to New York City to take on a bunch of patients. He said, no, I'm not going to give Trump that political win. We're going to put these people in the nursing homes. And what happens? You see New York start to just lose seniors in the thousands, tens of thousands because of his policy directly as a result of him trying to do something to slight the other side. So Yes. I'd say that because when they, you know, you look at that, what, what aren't they willing to do, right? If they're, you have, you have Andrew Cuomo up there who's only known for, you know, what, grabbing fannies and killing grannies. Now you got you, Adam, who you're being targeted because, and let's be you know, honest here, the main reason that you were targeted was because you had the biggest smile waving and you just kind of represented the, the, I don't know, the, the jubilance and, and kind of like the, uh, the spirit, if you will, that represented this yeah, we're, we're done with this notion of what the government has been presenting as a quote unquote narrative. And, you know, we're, we're going to take our country back. Now, you weren't doing anything violently. And I think that speaks to the, the approach that they took to go after you. They needed to create a narrative to destroy not just the, the perception of you being the happy guy carrying the podium, but to, to destroy what you represented. And I think that speaks to where we are right now as a country is that you really have two sides who are trying to, to wield this power. And I guess this goes to my question. What do you think is going to be the outcome here? Right? Because you, you saw what they did to you. And I, I would love to dig into more of what they specifically did to you. But where do you think this is headed for political discourse moving forward? I think what we're going to see is, um, well, we've seen the evacuation of states, of mm. blue states yep. to red states and red Me states. Me too, by the way. States. I went from Philadelphia to Indiana back in 2022. So <laughs> I, I'm right there with that. That happened to everybody, I think. Mm-hmm. You made it out. Um, <laughs> Thank God. We're going we're gonna to see states become more red, like deeper red and deeper blue. And what we're, I'm, I don't want to say I'm excited about the outcome, but it's definitely going to accelerate things. It's going to allow states to, vote in things that maybe just deep blue people want and deep red people want. And it's going to run a social experiment and then we're going to see outcomes. And I don't 
I don't want to see people suffer. I don't want to see people live through this recession that is obviously coming, but I think it's necessary. I think that people will have to continue to suffer. They will have to continue to deal with the consequences of their own making, their own decision making. So if you ask me where we're going to go in this discourse, I think that we're going to continue to separate and isolate and build our personal vacuums in our own spheres where we hear only what we want to hear because we we don't have anything in common with each other anymore. And it's not that just we don't have anything in common. It's that the things that we do have in common aren't enough to bring us back together. Right. Talk, talk to us about your personal uh, experiences in terms of the outcome of your being involved at, at J6. Because you mentioned 75 days in jail, you're on probation, but like, what was the case against you? How, how did they build that case? And what was your experience working with the, uh, the federal government? Well, I mean, it's it was hard to deny it was me. I'm in there, I'm smiling, I'm posting pictures, you know. And at the beginning of it, I thought, well, look, worst case scenario, if they get me for trespassing, it's a slap on the wrist. I can't come back, you know, maybe a fine. And for me, I was willing to make that sacrifice to have my voice be heard. Mm -hmm. Because maybe someone sees a group of us saying, we are done. We're not going to stand by and allow the government to continue in its corruption, send our kids to die in war, steal our money. Like maybe that gives people courage and I'm willing to make that sacrifice. So when they initially picked me up, the charges were uh, violent entry, which got dropped because there's a, you can see the video right now, Google it of me walking through open doors. It was a felony theft for moving furniture 20 yards. They said I converted the use of the lectern's property to my own. And then um, the last charge, and it was a felony because they said the lectern was over a thousand dollars. I'm a carpenter. I built one just to see how much it cost. I built it for like 230 bucks. But, you know, government overspending, you know, so it's like know, that meme yeah. with the FDA. And it's like, why can't uh, we have government run health care? And then it shows the FDA was spending like thirty seven thousand dollars for chairs with cup holders. And that yeah. speaks to ex the exact problem you spot. You, uh, you're mentioning there. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Rand Paul's Rand Paul spending reports. That's are my right. Favorite. Yeah, they're <laughs> my absolute favorite. Um, and then the last charge was entering and remaining in a restricted building, which is a misdemeanor. And it's, it's glorified trespassing is what it's called. If you're in somewhere you're not supposed to be, you know, you can get trespassed from the place. And typically it's not supposed to be something you send people to prison for, especially in my case, because it is, it is the first time I've done this. I am a, I am a model citizen. I, I have five children. Uh, my wife's a physician. We, we don't, we're not a part of any, you know, groups that are about hate or anything. I'm not a part of Proud Boys, not a part of anything. Mm -hmm. I when they sat down and interviewed me for 14 hours across two interviews, they they took my cell phone, they took my life apart. And there was nothing to see because I don't do anything. I'm a normal person. I'm a normal person who just is living in this country and recognizing the signs and saying, we have to stop this now. Mm -hmm. And maybe we should have been talking up 30 years ago. Maybe we should have been more involved in the schools, more involved in local politics. But the, I, and I got to make this point. What I think we're seeing is the conservative, the right, the Republican party is slowly becoming a libertarian party. Yep. They're collecting a, the, the new generation of people, the Gen Xers. We're, we're not the old Republican party. We're, we're not pro war. We are, we are pro freedom and we are smaller governments. And what the left used to be classic liberalism was, we are now encapsulating. And it's it's just so interesting to see the left sit here and say, we need to, you know, defend a non-NATO country and send F-16s and tanks. It's ridiculous. I, I feel like I'm living in the twilight zone.
Yeah, oh, 100%. So, I, I, I hear you there. And I must say, it is refreshing to see the GOP starting to echo back a lot of the libertarian, small L libertarian sentiments that we in the greater liberty movement have been expressing and echoing. You please bring this messaging into your platforms because it is going to help you win, especially when we're going after the younger voters. Because a lot of the younger voters, like you mentioned, they're not on board with spending a hundred plus billion dollars with a B to Ukraine, our 51st state, which is... <laughs> tens of thousands of miles away. It just doesn't make sense, right? And I guess I wanted to kind of rewind a little bit to you personally, because I think you're representative of a lot of where your average GOP or liberty movement person is. You're a good person who does good things, and you just, you, you were targeted by your government. And I guess, where were you before, you know, the J6 protests? Let's let you know, go back 10 years. What was your political kind of uh, compass pointing towards then? And how did that impact you after J6 to where you are today? Uh, I was registered independent since I was 18. I've never voted in an election because I just, I don't have, I've never had faith in them, you know, or at least I thought I'm not going to spend my time voting for people who don't really have my interests in mind. Mm -hmm. And I think we can look at the majority of politicians. And if I live in Kentucky, I'd obviously vote for, you know, Paul, but you know, uh, there's a lot of people that I just, I, I, I have no business getting out and voting for someone who I know is just establishment. Mm -hmm. So I was more focused on what's my inner circle, you know, my family, things like that. I couldn't be bothered with it. 16 came around and I saw it was a uh, Trump Hillary and couldn't get me to vote because I said, well, I don't want to vote a murderer in, and I also don't want to vote a, you know, reality TV star in. So I just kind of sat back and watched what happened. And then I watched the machine just grind this man for four years. I saw all of Hollywood. I saw musicians, sports stars. You could not get away from the constant attacks on Trump. Yep. And I said to myself, Maybe, just maybe, this is an indicator that we finally have someone who is not part of the machine. And we can talk about his hiring choices. We can talk about the way he played within the system and all of that. That's definitely a long conversation. But at the end of it, what the majority of Americans wanted, what we truly, truly wanted was more money in our pocketbooks. We wanted job opportunities. We wanted the ability to buy homes. We wanted the ability to say, we don't want to be in war anymore. We want to get out of our foreign conflicts and we don't want to send our kids to die for things that we have no business being in. Yep. Amen. So for me, that was, it was, I think it was around 2017. I started listening to podcasts and getting, you know, more informed and uh, 2020, I voted for the guy. And then we watched, uh, we actually had an election watch night at my house and I think it was around two o'clock. They're like, Hey, I think we're going to stop counting votes. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's weird. Is this normal? Is this, is this something we do? <laughs> no, the answer is no, <laughs> no, we don't do no. that here. <laughs> no. Oh but, man, um, Adam, um, you know, we are getting hard pressed for, uh, for time here on the, the actual show. Now folks, remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We are changing things up here at the show. We're going to be doing some more, uh, deep dive questions more into Adam's, you know, personal backstory, but also I have some fun questions like, Will he be supporting Donald Trump or his current governor, Ron DeSantis, in 2024? If you want to hear the answer to that question, got to make sure you're a, a supporter of our Patreon.
Patreon audience insider, $1.99 a month, or you can become a super fan at five bucks a month as well, and you get more of the uh, the content here in these episodes that I know you guys love and crave, but before we go there, we're going to wrap things up here on the main show with our final thoughts. Adam, I'll kick things off if you're cool with that, and uh, that is specifically, this is, you know, this is why we are doing what we're doing here at the network, and that is focusing, and you actually hinted at it, it made me smile, local politics, educating yes. your children, building a culture, a community, not just of people who share your principles, your values, your morals, but also the idea of just good people, bringing out the good in people. And that's why we have the Good People Network over on Facebook, where we're bringing folks in to promote and network with other people who are doing good things. But also, I want your good solutions that you're bringing to the table to be shared with the world. So if you're on board with the ideas of being a good person and trying to help build up that network and sharing positive outcomes that are impacting both your your community locally, but also your family and, and your circle of influence. Well, I'd love to hear about it. Join us over on Facebook at our Good People Network link in the show notes. Adam, what do you have for us? As far as what? Oh, sorry, sorry. your final thoughts. Your final thoughts for the, <laughs> oh, uh, the my episode. final thoughts. Yeah, my, bad. Uh, my final thoughts is don't give up. Don't abandon uh, your convictions. You know, if they try to bury me. They try to ruin our lives. And I am here speaking because if I if I fold. I feel like other people will. So it's going to take people that are willing to sacrifice, take a stand and speak. So don't stop speaking, bring it into your work, tell your kids to bring it into your schools and around the dinner table. Don't let your kids not know what's going on. Yes. Tell them what is truth. Amen. Adam, where can folks go ahead and follow you if they want to learn more and continue the conversation off air? Um, I'm on Twitter uh, at Lectern Leader. I am the Lectern guy on Twitter. Most of my social networking is through there. So if you want to communicate with me, I try to comment back to everyone who comments and I will respond to you at some point. So come give a follow. It's a lot of satire and a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome. Links will be in the show notes, folks. And again, we are going to be continuing the conversation with Adam in our Patreon behind the scenes conversation. So if you want to hear part two of this conversation, well, make sure you head over there. $1.99 a month or five bucks a month for Audience Insider or Superfan. Otherwise, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at B Nichols Liberty. Also on Facebook at B Nichols Liberty. And if you're joining us on Sovereign, well, hello. You're getting a Sovereign exclusive behind the scenes. Actually, you're getting a sneak peek because the episode hasn't even aired yet. So there you go. That's what you get for joining us on Sovereign. But also we are on YouTube, Rumble, and on Odyssey as well. Regardless of where you join us, all I ask, hit that subscribe button and little notification bell so you don't miss a single time we go live. But with that being said, I will see you guys over on our Patreon. But with that being said, Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Adam Johnson. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.